All right, so welcome everyone to BBM Black Baby Moms. I'm your host, Margie, and today is actually a really fun episode, very interesting episode because I love hearing um, a perspective of you know a wife, and I have none other than a bomb wife, a boss mom, just an overall great human being here with me, my family, my niece, and my daughter's godmother. Lex is in the building. Welcome. What's up, guys? How are we doing today? I'm so excited um, that you're here with me because we're going to talk about some things that we both haven't really um, opened up about, I feel. Right. Um, And I want to hear more about your experience being a new mom, a new wife, um, and all of that jazz. So I'm really excited. Disclaimer, as always, this is not your regular shit talking, baby mama, baby daddy, no bashing, no shit talking, none of that. All right. At least not on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so let's just dive right into it. Um, One thing that I feel like I want to really talk about and, and dig a little deeper is about healing. And I've talked about, you know, maybe heartbreak and things like that, but your journey is a little different right right from some of the things that i've been through i've never been married but you just got married 2020 mm-hmm. what is, what has that been like um new wife oh, all man. that jazz <laughs> well i mean if you think back in 2020 you know we were going through the pandemic and it's the middle of covid um in may of 2020 is actually when i found out that i was pregnant yeah um and i was already engaged uh you know marcus and i Uh, my husband and I have been together uh, for like three and a half years or so officially. Mm -hmm. We've known each other for the last 15 years of our lives, you know, kind of one of those storybook scenarios where I didn't like him at all. I was totally not into him. Yeah. Um, And then God changed my eyes. You know, it was like rose colored glasses were taken off and I got to see him for who he really was. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you bring up that topic of healing, it really plays very heavily into the relationship that I have today. Right. Uh, You know, because because of that relationship, a piece of that relationship was a gift from God because I was in a place of, you know, it's like some women have get to this place where you kind of like use your body to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had taken away that power, you know, instead of, instead of allowing my body to be the reason why a man was interested in me or the reason that drew him to me, I started to, um, figure out how to get you to be intellectually intimate with me um, oh. Oh. instead of it being physical. So I became celibate. And prior to Marks and I getting together, I did a lot of healing and a lot of internal work in order to be prepared for my husband, whoever he may be. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I remember distinctly standing at the kitchen sink and I was like, Pops, am I ever going to meet my husband? And I was like, man, it would be nice, you know, just to have a partner. Yeah. And he was like, you already know him. He's mm. Marcus. And I was like, yeah, please. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Ha, ha, ha. I didn't hear that right. Yeah. But that's not, that's the joke's on me. I mean, when I wrote that in my vows that the joke was really on me, it truly was because he became everything and more than anything I could have ever imagined that he personally could be. But, you know, Pops allowed me through my space and through my time to be able to see him for the man that he was really meant to be. So fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. We ended up together back in 2017. Um, And we actually came together under the premise of what was previously our our relationship and not current. 
he didn't necessarily know me as the woman I had become and as the woman that I was in a relationship. He looked at me as somebody who he knew from the past. But he so, okay, so y'all had a a relationship outside of just romantically, right. physically before Absolutely. it got to even, oh, I'm interested in you. Absolutely. We weren't even physical. We weren't physical in the beginning of our relationship uh, for the first two years. Mm -hmm. uh, so because I was already celibate for a, a two years prior to that. Wow. Um, so I had it in my mind that, you know, I was saving myself from my husband, da, 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 da. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so we got married in 2020. I was very much pregnant. I was about 20 weeks pregnant at the time. Yeah. Um, oh, I was, remember the announcement. <laughs> yes. It was, a, it was a beautiful, small, intimate ceremony um, that changed us. Uh, you know, the process that you go through as a woman when your hormones are changing and yeah. you're pregnant. Yeah. It's really quite wild, you know. It's a whole different story. It really is. I feel like in 2020, at this point, by 2021, I should have perfect credit. I should have big fat savings. I should have all of these things taken care of. Oh, honey, mm, you no. thought. Yeah, <laughs> and in, instead, it's almost like there's just more lessons to be learned. It was this, this period of grace that God gave where we were quiet and everything was just intimate and very much to ourselves. Um, and I got to just grow this little human inside of me. And had a great pregnancy itself, you know, outside of like some really crazy back pain that maybe not be able to get out of bed some days. Mm -hmm. My pregnancy itself, against all odds, was extremely healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember your pregnancy. It seemed like it was pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. um, now, when we get to the labor yeah. and delivery. Right. I feel like you had a little bit different experience. Yeah. Um, I can share mine really quick. Um, you know, I went into labor at home. I started having contractions and like five hours later, Gigi was here. Right. Pretty smooth. For you, I don't know. Tell us, you know, I, I actually haven't actually heard. Right, right. You know, right. what your experience was like. So one of the biggest things and, you know, something that I know we'll touch on eventually is, was my experience in the maternal world and the level of bias that I that I experienced and prejudice. What do you mean? Well, I mean, as a plus size black woman, I was expected to have all of the ailments and all the things wrong with me. I was expected to have gestational diabetes. I was expected to, um, I was expected to have high blood pressure. I was expected to uh, gain an, an immense amount of weight. I was expected to have a high risk pregnancy. High risk pregnancy. Let Absolutely. me pause you right there. I actually had a high risk pregnancy. Right not with any of those things. And so go on. Right. And with that expectation came all of the eyes, all of the questions. Yeah. And I had to truly defend myself at every turn. And I felt, and I got to this place where I was comfortable with my plan. I was comfortable with my, with my labor and delivery plan. I was very confident in who I was. And, you know, I believed that my body could do it. So I yeah. went up against all odds and I made sure that my ops, that my OB was completely aware of what I desired, which was an unmedicated natural birth. So you had a natural birth. That's what I wanted. That was the birth plan. That was okay. my plan. All right. And you know how God laughs at our plans. <laughs> yes, you know? for had, sure. <laughs> he had a lot to teach me in mm -hmm. this time frame. He wanted to test me to create this beautiful testimony on why I am and who where I am today. Right. Um, so by 34 weeks, I was going to 
because I would not agree to be induced, Mm -hmm. uh, because I was, you know, trying to prove to myself to them all the time, they made me have an NST scan weekly. And what is NST? So an NST scan is basically the the anatomy scan to ensure that your amniotic fluid is high enough, um, as well as the baby's still heart rate still doing well, that they're still you know growing well, their weight. It checks kind of all of the structure of what's happening on the inside of your belly. Now, is that like a standard test that you know of or? Okay. So typically women will have like maybe one or two NST tests because you're at 20 weeks is a big anatomy scan where they check and everything and they're doing the lengths and the measurement sizes. Right. And then usually probably again around 37, 36, 37 weeks. Um, As a plus size woman who they attempted to label high risk because I refused to just go along with what they thought my body could and could not do, Mm -hmm. I ended up having to go along with their testing. So I was literally in the OB office weekly and I had blood, I had blood taken weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was getting an NST scan going to the hospital every single week um, from 34 weeks on from about 34, 35 weeks on. So you're in the third trimester at Mm -hmm. this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I can remember being in the hospital and this white woman looked at me and, you know, she said, because I, one of the things that you deal with that I dealt with, the only one thing I dealt with was white coat syndrome. So white coat syndrome, if you're not white coat syndrome, Mm -hmm. okay. If you're not familiar with a white coat syndrome, it is essentially where a woman who is in, um, who's pregnant when they walk into the office, they immediately get a heightened sensation just by seeing the doctors. Oh, like a anxiety, anxious, you know, okay. So your blood pressure raises, right? Oh yeah. Definitely heard that. Mm -hmm. And you have a moment you can, they'll take it again and you're fine. Right. And so happens all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) But because I was high, because I was, they wanted to label me high risk because I was a plus size woman. Right. She would do things intentionally like take the blood pressure as soon as I, as soon as I got to the office, mm. uh, record that instead of giving me an opportunity to calm down, have a couple conversations, you know? Yeah. What I found in my, uh, my ter- maternal experience, um, is that I had to, I had to really take a step back, be that quiet, be that quiet, reserved black woman that we are taught to be, that yeah. we are groomed to be. Can't speak up. Can't absolutely. Watch right. your tone. And the way that you do it has to be, has to be received in such a way that seems as if it's their idea, not yours. Mm. Right. So you have to almost kind of trick these people into believing, Hey, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. You you know, just because you come from a background of health, this is, you don't come from a background of Alexis. Right. Let me tell you about me. Yeah. I don't have a history of diabetes or any of that other stuff. And you know, your body. Exactly. That's the point. And the thing is we respect the medical professionals. We, I I believe that they have, um, an amount of knowledge that can really help the community. But in the flip side, also, we know our bodies. Absolutely. We are not a scientific number. No. You know, science was created as a baseline, but not everybody falls in that spectrum. Mm. Right. So I was abnormal. I, you know, a very large plus size woman who's having a healthy pregnancy, no high, uh, high blood pressure to the point of where I was having to take my blood pressure, take whole pictures of it at home to prove myself like a diary so that she would actually believe what I'm saying. But in actuality, I recognize now I'm looking back that I should have changed my OB. Probably what I was about to ask you is, okay, so did you actually like you're a doctor? (laughs) Right, but I did. So because we had honest conversations, I knew that this was going to be an uphill battle because 
of what the world sees. The right. world sees a plus size woman. Oh man, she must have diabetes. Oh man, that baby must be high risk. Gonna be a big fat baby. She's gonna get preeclampsia. She all the da 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 da. Yeah. All, all the, the yeah statistics right, thrown exactly. at you versus actually getting to know your body Correct. and your pregnancy. Correct. Exactly. So, um, you know, I fought for that and I fought for my right to birth my child the way that I wanted to do so. Um, but I stuck with her because I had honest conversations with her because I believed that I could educate her mm. because we would have conversations to say, hey, I just want you to know that the conversations that you're having are prejudiced towards me. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. Very much so. So you were not, you know, afraid to kind of, you know, I don't want to say resist, but like you said, educate. Right. And maybe stand up for yourself and Absolutely. say, no, I'm not going to do this, that, and right. the third, but this is why. Right. And it seems, and I know you because you're very respectful in the way that you can do it. So I'm wondering, was she receptive? So she, I explained to her that the conversations and the language that she's using resist allowed it i received it as a very fat phobic type of communication hmm. and you know i explained to her that you are trying to label me as the numbers that you've seen yet when i ask you specific questions as to what your cesarean rates are and if you tell me that your cesarean rates are one in three that's pretty effing high yeah so for those listeners that don't know what a cesarean c-section c-section exactly okay. And the reason why you want to ask your OB that one of the biggest questions is because you want to know how quickly are they to cut? Ooh. How quickly are they to push you into the most expensive ver version of birthing your child? Yeah. And also not even just expensive, but it, it can be kind of traumatic for both mom sure and baby. Um, both experiences, I think, um, natural and cesarean can be traumatic. They can. It, it, honestly, it just depends on the woman and how they receive it. Right. Mm -hmm. So in my birth plan, I knew that a cesarean was still had to be on the table yeah. because you have to plan for, for it all. You have yeah. to be come to a place where you're accepting of however it takes for you and your child to be here healthy because that's the goal. Right. And, you and your baby. And having your plan that you wanted, um, you know, for yourself, that's great and gravy and all that. But if an emergency happens, that's when the medical professional has to come in and use their, their knowledge. Because here's a little story. I used to work at Mercy uh, Medical Center in Baltimore. Do not have your children there. Um, <laughs> and there was a, a, a woman that was pregnant and um, she went into labor and the doctor did not show up on time. And the baby's, the cord got wrapped around the baby's neck and all this stuff. It was crazy. I remember this. I will never forget it. The baby died. Never made it. They wow. did not do an emergency C-section in that time frame. And that's the kind of thing that it's like, okay, we do trust the doctors in some sense of the world. <laughs> well, you know, because one of the things I had to come to an understanding and realization of is that if I truly believe that God is dominion and that he is powerful overall, yeah. that he gifts us these information and inspirations, then that means that their knowledge came from somewhere too. Right. You know, that that knowledge is on, here on purpose and mm -hmm. we're meant to utilize those resources because they're a resource however mm -hmm. i'm here to tell you that a woman is created to give life you know and our bodies are capable in any shape any form at any time you know and it's just it depends on the individual person because everyone's experience is different period Absolutely. i love that the fact that you can really point out that it doesn't really matter what the stats show no. or data or whatever but that's what doctors do resort to of but course. you are 100 right our source is god 
-hmm. And he will place things around us, such as resources that were divinely um, placed for us to be able to access. Absolutely. So I don't always. Right, exactly. And and it just is a balance, I think, Mm -hmm. of understanding the science and also understanding the Holy Spirit. Of course. And I think that as long as you, you know, walk hand in hand with him, you'll you'll figure it out, figure it out, you know. And so let's fast forward to, okay, fine. We get all the way up to 37 weeks. I'm still being hounded. I'm still being pressured into um, induction. Okay. No reason why. When I ask and I, and I respond and say, hey, tell me why you're suggesting that I have this induction. So were you past your due date? No. It doesn't sound like it. No, this is 37 just, weeks. Right. You're not even full term. No. And here's a funny story. I was begging my OB. I think y'all remember I was so big. I was, please, please. The doctor was like refused. Running into everything. Uh, literally <laughs> driving. You remember that. So for you though, your doctor was like, no. No. Even though, or, or they wanted you to have an induction, an induction and no it, to natural. It was more of a controlled scenario. They didn't uh, want you to have a natural birth. No. Which is not. completely opposite of what my doctors were telling me, of which course. is crazy. Right. Why? Because you and I have a, a severe a weight difference. Mm. So when they look at you, you look like a healthy mom, regardless of any of your pre existing conditions. I was about to say, because exactly. I was actually high risk. I said this a few minutes ago, but I actually have multiple sclerosis. And they mm-hmm. just labeled me is that whatever okay but you don't have any pre-existing no, you know conditions no pre-existing <laughs> conditions other than being overweight and i'm fine with that okay fine yeah. so uh you know we get all the way up in 37 weeks i have this conversation and the nurse literally looks at me and she says did you take any medication to control your blood pressure because it's actually fine today what mm-hmm. i'm Wondering, did you show her that log that you were keeping? Oh, with I all sure your, did. Okay. Yep, I sure did. I pulled <laughs> it up. See, because when you're dealing with these people, you have to have your receipts. You mm-hmm. got to know how to cover your own ass. And the fact that I have to have this conversation when I hired you to right. care for me. And I'm paying you. I'm paying you. I am paying your salary. But you have the right to question me about if I would put my baby's life in danger. Right. Because the conversation I always had was this is not about pride. The way that you keep looking at me as if this is only because I want to prove you wrong because I'm a plus size woman is not. This is about the journey Mm -hmm. between my child and myself and me knowing what my body is capable of. Right. And the truth of it was you were having a, you know, a safe pregnancy, pregnancy. healthy pregnancy. I was going to the chiropractor towards the end to help to prepare my body. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for labor and delivery. Planning a wedding. (laughs) Yeah, I had a whole wedding. I mean, (laughs) come on, we were doing. And I up to this point, I was safe from COVID. And then I agreed to the induction because I, she went to, she kept pressuring me. She's like, well, let's just, let's just set a date. Yeah. You know, just in case. Yeah. We'll set a date. And if you're not, if you haven't gone into labor by then, then, you know, we'll go from there. And she, uh, Dr. Bloomberg, she made sure that she got into this place where she would, um, manipulate her words in a way that would seem like she's on board with what I'm saying. But when you think back and you look back on it, you're like, she was just getting her way. Hindsight. Yeah. That's how they're taught. They're literally taught from that perspective. So, you know, you, I say, okay, fine. But in order to go to Fairfax Hospital, which is supposed to be the best women's hospital in the DMV, Mm. um, I had to have a COVID test two days before my induction. Okay. So I go to get the COVID test and I literally remember thinking, oh shit, I think I'm sick. 
oh, this is not true. It's not true. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. But I could not taste anything on the way to get the test. That's COVID. <laughs> <laughs> because when you lose your taste and your smell, it's 100% COVID. Right. And this, it wasn't because I couldn't breathe. I wasn't congested. So anyways, I go and I get this awful COVID test and I lean. And the very next morning, my, and again, up to this point, I had been defending myself. I had been protecting myself. I had been you know, doing their tests, right? but still doing it the way that I wanted to do within reason. Yeah. You know, because again, like we were just talking about having a medical professional to oversee the process was something that I felt value mm-hmm. to because I'm a plus size woman. So I'm not remiss from the idea that there could be challenges within my birthing process. And you had an open mind. Right. Exactly. So with that, with that in mind, the very next morning, the test comes back and it says I'm positive for COVID. Mm. And so I'm 39 weeks pregnant. Ready to give birth. Ready to give Positive birth. COVID tests. Yeah. Scary. Absolutely. Especially given the fact that I had been pressured into this induction world over and over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the things and one of the reasons why, what we'll talk about later when you ask me about becoming a doula, why a doula is so important is because she is an outside, he or she is an outside perspective that'll keep you as the mother who is hormonal and all over the place focused. All right. So, so let's actually dive right into that. Um, it sounds like your birthing experience led you to become maybe an advocate. Absolutely. For women giving birth in general. I won't put any labels on it. Yeah. But for people that maybe have a plan or just went through some of what you went through. So what is, what is on your plate? What's on your radar coming up next as far as you want to be a doula? Yeah. Yeah. So I decided to make that investment in myself. Um, as a result of my birthing and postpartum experience, um, because that investment would allow me the opportunity to empower and educate other women of all shapes, colors, and sizes to be able to walk into any hospital room or any birthing center or at home in her own birthing pool and feel that she is in control, that she has the knowledge that she needs and she has the support that she needs in order to make it through this beautiful art form of a journey of a birth. Right. Okay. So one of the things, and I did interview a doula before, but she didn't necessarily make me understand why I needed a doula. Mm. She wasn't, she didn't sell herself. So were you thinking about doing a natural birth at home? Uh, you know, not necessarily using the medical facilities. Well, not necessarily because it would be my first pregnancy. Okay. But so with a doula, you don't have to, a doula just follows you anywhere. Okay. So if you want to do yeah, your you birth at home doula at, in, the in the hospital, hospital you your can, doula stands next to you. Got it. If you want to do it at home, your doula can be right next to you. Your doula is a support person okay. for specifically for the, the pregnant person mm-hmm. uh, to help you to be able to keep your birth plan intact, to be able to make sure that you stay focused to make it through those labor pains because labor and delivery is an entire process. Yes, it is. It's a whole journey. Yeah. It's not something that happens like a split. It's not some big, you know, it's not how they make it in the movies where you're standing in the grocery store and your water breaks and you scream and all of a sudden you're just in like some crazy raving pain and you're yelling at everybody. That's not. No. Well, I will say some to each his own. I, yeah. I had my water broke while I was at the hospital um, checking in. These people wanted <laughs> me to check in. I got this big old belly and the water, my water just broke all over the floor. And I kind of felt like that's what they get because <laughs> why didn't you just take me to the room? Uh, but it was a little traumatic and dramatic. Um, <laughs> but 
you on the flip side, you're right. Everyone's story is a little different. Right. Some Absolutely. people have a, um, they're in labor for like two, three days. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, oh, right. So I get, I get COVID and I boohoo cry. I'm sobbing because now I'm like, now I really don't understand. I really don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this safely. How do I advocate for myself now? What do I, cause I don't have the education to be able to support myself. I mean, I did all the birthing classes. I talked to- Oh, you were one of those moms yeah, that yeah, would write yeah. all the books. You already know my pregnancy. I definitely did not. But <laughs> I love that. You were like into yeah. learning I about- I my husband, you know, pay attention to yeah. birthing classes as well. I love so that. So that he would have an understanding that if I can't speak for myself, he can speak for me. Right. You know, and that was the biggest thing. And in this COVID world, it was only going to be the two of us. It mm. wasn't I couldn't have my mom there, which was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. And if I wanted to have a doula there, then, you know, I could, but not when I ended up with COVID. Right. So yeah. I wonder, like, yeah, during COVID and we're kind of in a wave again, if you have a doula or an, another, they're not allowed in the So technically, facility? a doula is considered to be a certified professional, medical okay. professional. So as your doula, yes, I can show my, my certification now and come in the hospital with you and to support your labor and delivery. Got it. So it's not like another person. Correct. It's not considered mm. to be another person, your support person. Mm -hmm. um, so luckily in that scenario, the way that the systems are set up right now, you can have your doula and a support person for the most part. Good to know. So that's something that you should call ahead for to have a conversation with whatever hospital birthing center you're going to be giving birth at. Mm -hmm. um, and so that you can understand what their rules are right now. Because okay. It really changes dramatically. Um, so I went ahead and moved forward uh, with the induction after spending a lot of time being very upset about getting COVID um, because I was scared to, for what that meant. Probably because you, you, didn't know during 20, well, this was 2021. Mm -hmm. February of 2021. Right. Um, well, still kind of like, you know, a year or so into COVID, don't know what to yeah. expect. You still don't, you know, this is, we hadn't had any vaccinations yet. Um, That's true. You know, we were still but before all of that. So what right. does that mean? Right. But my COVID, the way that for COVID, the way that it transitioned and transformed to me is I had no taste, no smell. And that was it. Like I, it wasn't. To be honest, I was about to say, you don't really know what to expect, but I had COVID, you know, the whole family had COVID right. at one point. And honestly, none of us were overly sick. We weren't. Yeah. I was actually like, this is it. Right. <laughs> yes. I lost my taste and smell. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely terrible. Uh -huh. But aside from that, I had a worse cold after mm -hmm. I had COVID and they said, no, it's not COVID after I, you know, I went and got tested. The second time I was sick was worse than COVID. <laughs> and they were like, no, it's not COVID. So I really am just, I'm confused. Absolutely. <laughs> but yes, at that time you had no idea what to expect, but no. when you're actually sick, I mean, you get COVID. No. And now you have this opportunity for these, for these people who are trained, right? So an OB, an obstetrician is an actual surgeon. They're trained to be a surgeon. Right. So when you're trained to be a surgeon, your your oper your thought process is cut, 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 right? So when I have this conversation and her cesarean rate is 50%, I'm like, hmm, that's a little bit high. <laughs> and, you know, because the cesarean rate in the U.S. is at 37%. Worldwide, the CDC says that we should only be about 17%. Hmm. So to, and to understand that one in, ten, one, in not, one in seven women, white Caucasian women, will have a cesarean. But one in four 
black African American women will have a cesarean. Okay, you better come through with these stats and these numbers. All I right, mean, <laughs> it's insane to think of the the striking differences. We're looked at as as uneducated, incapable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lacking private insurance. But I had all of those things. I'm educated. I actually come from a healthcare background. Yeah, uh, you know, as a director of operations for an anesthesiology group. Right. You know, so I worked within the hospitals. In fact, the hospital that I was at. I manage that hospital when it comes to the anesthesia group. Right. So it's important to really know your body, number one. Mm -hmm. Take the time to research and maybe get comfortable with your physician, doctor, OB in this situation. Absolutely. And um, stick up for yourself. Don't be afraid to say what you feel is right for your body and your journey. Everyone is not going to have the same exact story. And so, you know, I love that you were so open about the birthing experience and um, we're going to dive more into the doula, your next journey with that too. But I want to talk more about why healing is so important. Mm. And I feel like you touched on it a little bit with, with how you and your husband became one. But the one thing I I feel like is so important is um, when you're going through anything, it doesn't have to be anything like a heartbreak. It it could be depression. It could just be insecurities or whatever the case may be. Healing is so important. Absolutely. I mean, I would say, and what I can, one thing that I can admit to now after being, after being trained and certified and going through the process, you know, the reason why I will advocate for women in having a doula with them, someone who is just for there for them. Yeah. You know, they're not there for the baby. Honestly, we're here for you mm. to support you. And the reason why is because postpartum with everything that I experienced, um, I absolutely suffer from postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. Yeah. And going through that rigmarole and what that looks like when you're taught to be strong, to just make it through this, it, it's all normal. That's totally fine. That landed me back in the hospital. You know, okay. with a severely infected cesarean. Now, if you remember, I told you my birth plan was unmedicated, natural, whatever, what have you. Uh, but that's not how it went. Yeah. As a result of me getting COVID, uh, you know, and when it comes to the whole healing process, working my way through uh, the trauma is something that, you know, okay, I, really wanna, so, I really want to, I really want to. So now we get to January, mm, February 1st, January 31st, something like that. Um, I'm in the hospital. Uh, we're all checked in and I hand out my birth plan. I'm like, hey, I got copies. We're going to have conversations. Copies? Oh, yes, girl. I got copies. You read it, you like wrote it out. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I have the entire thing and I have, and because I know they're going to change shifts every 12 hours, sure. I have multiple copies <laughs> so that I can give it to the next person. We can have this conversation. Only you. Absolutely. Only you. Because <laughs> do you understand that in a birth plan, you're not just talking about how you birth your child, but you're also talking about how you want your child taken care of after you birth your child. True. Right. So there's all of these different questions that they're going to throw at you and ask you. And if you're not aware of, you know, do you want vitamin K drops in their eyes? Do you want them to have their first bath? Do you want us to do delayed cord clamping? Do you what? Want... <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to say is um, I didn't put this disclaimer about you is you are a nanny. <laughs> yeah. So the way that you have some of this background knowledge, and this is your first child, yes. I wouldn't even know to answer some of these questions or yeah. how to answer them in the <laughs> So I love that. Go ahead. You were prepared. Absolutely. So I was, I was prepared. You know, you couldn't ask me, you couldn't tell me anything. Right. No. So, all right, cool. In my plan, 
it was okay, fine, that hospital itself requires you to have continuous monitoring and they require you to have an IV as soon as you go in. So that if anything happens, they have a quick port, they can go ahead and access it. I went ahead and went with that, but that's where immediately where the interventions start. The moment you have that IV, your interventions have begun. What do you mean interventions? So for the listeners that don't of know, of course. Yeah. So when it comes to interventions, there's there's steps to this. So a natural, unmedicated birth means you don't want any pitocin, you don't want any pain meds, you don't want an epidural, right? Um, but the the moment that you say yes to just the first thing, which is the night, which is an IV. That okay. gives them important access to then begin intervention. So you're I in the see. middle of a contraction and you're screaming, fuck this shit. I want to fucking epidural, you <laughs> asshole. You know, and you're just going off, right? And then they're like, okay, cool. Now they already have a port. They already have access to begin providing you with that medication. Yeah. So if you're, you know, in the middle of your twilight zone and you don't really want a medicated birth, but you're just saying this, right? Because a lot of women will get to this place where they're just saying it. Yes. But <laughs> you, if you're really trying to have your doula in your face or your partner, whoever your anchor is to yeah. your process, mm -hmm. uh, they'll be able to bring you back down and help you get through those moments because a contraction is, is a moment. It's an uphill moment. Right. Get to the peak and then there's some rest. Obviously, until you're like in full blown labor where you're actually getting yeah. ready to descend the child. <laughs> so the importance of for your plan was to have it written out because you're absolutely right. When you're in those emotions as a mom, a woman in labor, yes. there, there is no like you're not logically thinking, you're not logically thinking this not. through. And you're not trying to <laughs> defend yourself and have this conversation with every single person. Right. OK. You know, and so I wrote it out, you know, whatever. So now one of the other things that I want to make sure that all women truly understand is that if you have an OB that comes from a gynecology group, the likelihood that you will have your actual OB deliver your baby is not is rare. It's it, yeah, exactly. It's 15%. Yeah. Especially the bigger the group is. Yeah. Right. So they'll try to encourage you like, hey, you know, make sure that you check out the other docs and you meet with them, too, because I might not be the one to deliver your baby. So fun fact, you're exactly right. I was high risk pregnancy, as I mentioned, and I was in a group mm -hmm. of doctors. I did not even see the same doctor twice. Right. It was it was a bit of mixed feelings for me because right. I was kind of like, OK, this is good so that, you know, if the doctor is not available and I have an emergency, I always have somebody. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, if I've really liked one OB at one appointment, I'm like, crap, I, I never I never saw her again. Right. So now, and then on the opposite side for me, because I was such a control freak about my process, I only saw my OB. I never saw anybody else. Okay. Um, you know, and I was lucky enough to have a to have an ultrasound for every single appointment. So there was like really good things that came along with it. There are like really good things that came along with it, um, but also some things that you just kind of had to deal with. So uh, that was one of the reasons why uh, I had this plan written out so that the overnight OB and the next OB and the next OB would all understand this is my plan. And unless you can give me evidence-based reasoning, <laughs> evidence-based reasoning as to why I should change it, leave me the fuck alone. Right. And so consistency. Right. Absolutely. So I go in and I get the IV. Okay, so she puts the IV in and then I begin that process of induction. So the first part of the induction, they did state all. So with the state all, it put they put the they're supposed to put it in inserted vaginally, but they actually gave me mine and put it under my tongue. 
Mm. Um, so that dissolves and it's supposed to help the process of your cervix and to start to contract so that you can actually dilate, open up and begin that process. Okay. At the point in which I was actually uh, in the hospital, unfortunately at this point, I had barely any dilation no real contractions were actually happening. I'm not even in the technical early stages of labor because my I was only one centimeter dilated. So they give me the state all to try to see if that's going to help it out uh, to help me begin this process because what doctor, what my doctor did understand is that if we were going to do this induction, then it was going to be slow and it was going to be unmedicated. Okay. So the birthing experience was a challenge. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, overall, so I got through the different processes uh, and stages of induction. And if anybody ever wants to hear more about that, I'm happy to go through that with you. I feel like all women should understand what those interventions look like. What's the next step after this? What's the next step after that? Right, right. right? So I'm 36 hours in. I have been laboring with 12 milliliters of Pitocin pumping through my body because, uh, you know, that's what they said was next of the indu- in the induction phase. Okay. Because one of the things you have to know is that the hospital is a business. So ideally, a woman is supposed to be in the hospital for three days. The longer that you stay, the less likely they can go ahead and flip that bed, which means get the next person in there to yeah. make more money. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. So interesting because when I gave birth um, at Hopkins, I, I gave birth in Baltimore and um, the, I left, I, I, I went in on the twenty. 20- 8th of September yeah. at like 1 a.m. Yeah, and you were gone. Like, I was gone day. this the 30th. I had Gigi on the 29th at 2 a.m., mm-hmm. really and honestly. Right. And I was gone by the next day. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I think it's really, you're right, the hospitals have a business mindset, um, but it just depends, I feel like, on the mm-hmm. hospital. Now, we, we're definitely talking more about the birthing experience and being a challenge and really just me like making sure you know what your plan and what you want right. for yourself and for your body, for your baby, for your husband, mm-hmm. for your, whoever it is with yeah. you, but you were going into the importance of healing. Right. And so I say all that to say, uh, I ended up having a cesarean and that was very dramatic for me. Um, it was very much so almost like this level of defeat where mm. I felt like I had no choice but to give up. I had to, um, I had to concede that this is the best way to bring my son into the world because this is what I'm being told. I had a white man come in into the room and tell me, your son's heart rate just decelled. There was a decel that happened. Do you understand what that means? Actually, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. A decel is when, you're, when the child's heart rate drops, but that happens during pregnancy sometimes and during de- delivery sometimes. Um, and with the decels and he's tired and your water's been broke for 12 hours, let's do the cesarean. I told him no. And I said, absolutely not. So anyway, he comes back and uh, again, he asked me, fear mongering, fear mongering. Your child is uh, in distress. You're in distress. We need to go ahead and move forward. So I went ahead and moved forward with a cesarean. Um, and that was a whole thing, right? So I can talk about that for hours, but let's fast forward to the fact that, okay, my kid's here. So he's here. And for the whole first hour that he was born, I did not actually get to touch him. COVID made it so that my husband couldn't even be in the room with me during that cesarean. I was by myself. Okay. So you're, you're home or you're waiting to see him, see yeah. the baby. And what are you going through? Were you, you know, 
in that moment feeling like you were postpartum depression no, already no, or it all. doesn't really happen i feel like right away no it actually happens while your body is transitioning back to normalcy yes, when your hormones are trying to level themselves out again exactly um and so at this point there's a part of me that's kind of like just exhausted you know i've been in labor i was i had been laboring on pitocin for 36 hours then i eventually got the epidural and then a seven hours later i went ahead with the cesarean um and so we're now in the process of, I finally get to see him, I'm holding him, and then he's jaundice. So we have to stay in the hospital a little bit longer. Um, and I can remember just feeling like that hospital was like a prison and it was just so exhausting. And then you have all these kind of odd, weird emotions where you don't necessarily know how to feel as a new mom. You're like, holy crap, I think I just made a human and it's here and it's crying and it wants me to feed itself, but I just got hit by a truck <laughs> because I had major surgery and, oh yeah, that's right. Take care of them, feed them, breastfeed. And what they don't talk about, they don't talk about the guilt a mom feels when she can't necessarily produce quickly. They don't talk about the fact that with a cesarean, it will take three to five days for your milk to come in instead of your mature milk coming in by day two. Right. So there's a lot that your body goes through. (laughs) If you have not caught on by now as a, as a woman, a female, it's not hard. You literally are creating a a whole life. And so, um, I love that you opened up about the birthing experience and I love that, you know, you're entering into this next phase of becoming a doula to help future, you know, individuals like in this situation, whether you're You want to give birth at home in a natural Mm -hmm. state or you want to go to a medical facility. I love that you gave us some information about that because I didn't even know. Um, But, you know, the importance for for me of healing is so that you can become the person that you need to be to raise your child. Right. And that's why I think it's really important to work through whatever you are, if it's postpartum depression Mm -hmm. or if you haven't even had a child, but you're going through some um, issues in life. It's important to heal. Yeah. And that is huge. I think the one thing that I would challenge you to say, to challenge you to say is that understanding that that healing is not necessarily for your child. The healing really is so that you can be the best, best version of you and the best example for your child. Right. Because they pick up from everyone. They're going to learn from everyone. And in my process, being the fact that I was taken away from my kids so so many times, because as a result of the cesarean, about 11 days later, my cesarean got infected. Um, and, you know, I ended up having to go numb, so, so to speak. I was pretty much numb. Um, and in that process, um, I had to figure out how to kind of dig those roots out and really understand where I was coming from. Uh, So one of the things I can definitely say is to encourage all women to have a proper support system and to know that if you face postpartum depression, it doesn't look the same as on everybody. No, it does not. If you face postpartum anxiety or postpartum psychosis, it does not look the same and it doesn't have all the same symptoms. It doesn't. And you, you know, you're right to to piggyback off of that. um, Anybody listening that has ever gone through that or know somebody, don't be afraid to speak up. Absolutely. This is a safe place, a safe space where it's literally, I've gone through the same type of issues. So I find that um, talking about it is really what gets you through it. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, talk, uh, self-talk and using your support system around you, creating that, going to therapy. Absolutely. There's no t- taboo on therapy. I myself have reached out and began the process of it is seeing a therapist because I didn't know how much trauma I experienced. Oof. I didn't know everything that I was holding, mm-hmm. but I couldn't actually talk about my birth experience without crying. Yeah. I can talk about the postpartum experience without feeling anxious. Yeah. Uh, But now I can um, because I took those steps and I'm not afraid to have those conversations and to then use my story as my testimony to educate other women on the different little things that you can do to protect yourself and to really educate yourself. Love that. And um, that hits it right on the nail. That's the importance of healing so that you can be who you need to be for yourself. And for, for me, I like, you know, I like trying to be the best version of me so that my daughter has um, an example. I think you you're know? like our children change us. I mean, yeah. it's on purpose, right? Like God gives us these awesome little humans so that we can then grow to yeah. another level. Um, you know, and so with my doula services and the the importance of my photography and all of that that it encompasses is so that I can empower the birthing person to be that best version of themselves while they're not themselves. Wow. Powerful. Honestly, your pregnancy, your labor and delivery experience, I feel like has shaped you to be even a more powerful human being just overall. Um, And I love that you're using what you went through to help others. And so please let us know, the listeners know how to find you. On Instagram. Oh, absolutely. So um, you can find me on Instagram at mama.ava.c3services. Um, that I do all of my doula and I am accepting new clients come February 2022. Boom. So if you are pregnant or planning to become pregnant yeah. and you're thinking of a, you know, unconventional route to take for your pregnancy, um, now you know who to go to. All right. And so this is BBM. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at BBM Podcast underscore. And also find me, your host, Mother Marge, on Instagram. Um, I really appreciate everybody that has been listening all these um, episodes and every single guest that has come on. I really appreciate everybody, but especially Lex, thank you so much for coming on and being so open and being so raw about your experience and um, labor, pregnancy, and postpartum, honestly. So I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Anytime. And um, until next time, guys, thank you for listening. Bye.